something. I'm going to use you as an example. May I? Lena? Okay. All right. I was going to anyway, but I thought I should ask you. <laughs> but, you know, here's the deal. Um, there, were, there were some, um, not from here or anything, but there were some people coming up to her and telling her that, you know, she's not sleeping because, like, she has... Um, Unconfessed sin and all different kinds of stuff. You know what I'm saying? And they were they were they were I- imposing, quote unquote, a word for her. Okay, are you following me? Okay, yeah, like the Pharisees. Exactly. Thank you, Chris. Exactly, like the Pharisees. All right. So so then she comes back and she goes, well, Margo, it's because this, 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 and you know, because I've got this, and and you know, it's spiritual warfare and Satan's. I said. Holy booey. I said, are you kidding me? I said, he that's in you is greater than he that's in the world, right? He's on attack in and through you, so you're not under attack. I said, you know what? And then, and then the accuser's like, yep, that's what it is, that's what it is, that's what it is, right? And so you hear that voice all the time. Instead of just absolutely realizing that, you know what? I got some hormonal stuff. I'm going to the doctor. I got some stuff with this. I got this. You know what I'm saying? Physical stuff. We have a... A um, fallen body, okay, that's getting more fallen. <laughs> Gravity, it's like, really? <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute, hold it. Oh, you guys, speaking of gravity, oh, this is funny. Anita Renfro at our church did, um, did anybody see Anita Renfro? She was a stitch. She did, at our Valentine banquet, she did um, an ode to the underwire. <laughs> I thought I was going to... Ryan just about peed his pants, I think. We sat there and roared. There were like a thousand people, you know, and they had two, two um, uh, times to, uh, that she was uh, uh, giving her, you know, funny. And we, hey, sweet. And so we just roared. And I thought, yep, yep, there's gravity. There it is. Underwear. Oh, to underwear. Anyway, guys, you know what? It's, it can be physical in that. So don't run to, you know... Listen to all this stuff that people are saying. This is what it is. This is what it is. Make sure you this. You know. Well, you know. We got to pray over you continually because you know you're this and this. Okay, stop that if you're doing it. Number one. Okay, and secondly, don't listen to that. Number two. Now, am I saying? That there's no spiritual warfare? Of course I'm not saying that. There's spiritual warfare all the time. Philippians 2 tells us that, okay? That, you know, the principalities and this, this, this. However, we're already seated in the heavenlies with him, okay? That's what he says. He's the head. We are the body of Christ. We're seated in the heavenlies already. He sees us as there already. So we have, through him, the power to what? It says in the Bible, to push down what? Principalities, powers of this world, right? All that kind of stuff. So you walk that way, okay? That is important that you know that. And, that you, and, and as a new believer, she's a new believer. She's a new believer. So what happens is people tell her this, and she runs to that. And then she runs to this. You know, we're accountable for that kind of stuff. We're accountable for that stuff. So be very careful in that, Okay. Yes. Because anytime someone is inducing you into guilty, and you're, you, to, it's not where God wants you to be. That's where the devil wants you to be. He loves it when you feel guilty and when you're, because you're guilty. It's all about your guilt instead of reaching out to them. Well, God loves healthy guilt. 
Okay, healthy guilt. In other words, godly sorrow is what brings you to repentance, the word of God says. Godly sorrow brings you to repentance. That means that you know you have healthy guilt. That you that you are like, oh God, I'm so sorry. That you know that you are are wanting to repent, confess, call it yours, and turn and repent and not do it again. Okay, that's healthy guilt. It's the false guilt, it's the other accusatory guilt that comes from the evil one. Yep, yep, and that's what was happening. All right, thanks for that praise. All right, another praise, sorry. Another praise, yes. Pam. Um, I wasn't here last week because I... Oh, that's a praise. Nice. I wasn't here last week. That's a praise. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I have a lot going on with my eyes and I'm having a series of different... But you blame yourself and then ask forgiveness how... If you do it God's way, he opens the door. It's like, oh, look at that. Yeah, isn't that sweet? Good for you, Chris. That is a real, that is a, that is a real heartfelt praise, isn't it? That God's working that way. Mm. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Good. Plan on your testimony retreat. Okay. <laughs> Anybody else before we go on? Any other praises? We're all praised up. That's it. My daughter is moving out. Yeah. <laughs> She's only two, but don't worry. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. Grown-up daughter. <laughs> Who's come back a couple times. <laughs> that's great. That's, that's excellent. That's great. Lots of praise. All right. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we come unto you praising your name, and that, that we're, you're just worthy to be praised because that's who you are. And uh, we just thank you for uh, the sunshine today. Lord, we just praise you, and the sun is just uh, just um, overtakes us, Lord. And, and uh, with the snow and the double light, it's just it's just stunning, Lord. And I just thank you for that uh, uh, in the winter time, Lord, I thank you that... Uh, Inside, however, it's never a winter time. We are always uh, full of your sun. And so, Lord, we, we thank you that we can be light and we can be uh, salt uh, to the world, uh, to each other, to neighbors, to coworkers, to our husbands, to our kids, to our um, sisters and, and moms. And Lord, I love the praises, God. I just, I just thank you that you inhabit the praise of your people. And so, Jesus, I just thank you that we can be here and hear from you that we that our countenance can be changed because of the word of god uh, it is your word it, it is established it will live forever and we are asking you jesus to go deep into us and that we would hear from you uh, and be changed personally and passionately and powerfully and then preeminently over our lives jesus and so um We are just giving this time to you as you already own it because you own all of time because you're outside of it, Lord. And so we love that. Thank you for that. We are such dependent creatures, such dependent creatures that from you and through you and to you are all things, Lord. So we praise you for this uh, time together and um, we just give it right back to you in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. And Kathy, Kathy guys brought... um, some more cards for Tori, so I will pass those around um, uh, next time. So I'm thrilled. So thank you. I've been sending them to her. Uh, she uh, is having a real rough go of it, so just pray for her. She is um, not coming easily. 
Uh, and so just pray for her. Uh, she has been written up every single day for being disrespectful, defiant, uh, um, lying, uh, deceit, etc. Um, when she went to the doctor, just a little quick thing, she went to uh, her, she got a sprained foot. When they went in, you know, the intake person has you fill out a little thing, right? And the, the guardian is sitting with her and stuff. And she puts down that she's had 10 broken bones. She's had um, concussions because she's an ice skater. And then she, like, checked all of the stuff. You know, and, you know, and so they went to the Kelly and the guardian. They said, uh, they said no. But she is a liar. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, pray for her. She's, she's uh, you know, testing every, that's why she needs structure, because she's testing every which way kind of thing. But God is hemming her in and getting, you know, the hemming is getting closer and closer and closer. So, uh, yeah, she's having a... She's having a real hard time. So be praying. Because God's at work through that, through that hard time. So that's a good, good thing. All right, let's open up to Daniel 7. Uh, we are... Hey, I call you snuck in. Hey, Marini was just asking about you last week. How are you, hon? Good, good, good. All right. Well, lucky for you, we're only in Daniel 7. <laughs> All right. Uh, we had gone through, I think, about... Uh, I wrote this down, so I'd be through a 15 and 16, which is the start of the interpretation of the dream. But let's just read until that point so we understand, and then we'll kick on, okay? And then we'll go into the Antichrist, all right? Now remember, Daniel 1 through 6 is all about Daniel and his life, living before the Lord, right? Resolved in his heart, purposed in his heart to live accordingly. All of his circumstances were horrendous, horrendous, I mean, you and I have never gone through what Daniel has gone through, nor will we probably ever go through what Daniel... Because I haven't seen a fiery furnace or a round or a lion's den. But we have all had our own lion's dens, which you wonderfully did that little... Uh, I hope you did your little homework with that, my own lion's den. Okay, you don't have to raise your hands. if you. It, those who did not, raise your hand. No, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Oh, guilt, guilt, guilt. It's horrible. <laughs> no. But if you haven't, I still encourage you to do so. You put up your li- uh, my own lion's den, right? And then you put down your past trials, right? And then how faithful God has been, your present one, and your you know your prayer to him, the calling out to him. Do it. Because you will look back and see, wow, look how faithful he is. And look at all these trials. And you know what? He will be faithful now, right? Because he can't be anything else. So I would highly suggest doing that. So let's read, and then we'll kick in in, in, in the 15, but I want to read starting at 1. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream, and visions passed through his mind as he was lying on his bed. He wrote down the substance of his dream. Belshazzar was the king, if you remember, who saw the what? This is the big hand of God. Right on the wall. Okay, great. All right. Daniel said, In my vision at night, I looked, and there before me were the four winds of heaven turning up the great sea. Remember, that's humanity. Four great beasts, each different from the others, came up out of the sea. The first was like a lion, and it had the wings of an eagle. I watched until its wings were torn off, and it was lifted from the ground so that it stood on two feet like a man, and the heart of a man was given to it. And that empire was what? It starts with a B. Babylon. Babylon, okay? That's Babylon, all right? And then it was humbled like Nebuchadnezzar was when he had to go and, and uh, out into the uh, wilderness for seven years before he was humbled by God, and then he came to know him. How cool is that? 
Then uh, verse 5. And there before me was a second beast, which looked like a bear. It was raised up on one of its sides, and it had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth. It was told, get up and eat your fill of flesh. And that empire that conquered Babylon is... Medo-Persia and it's it's raised up on one side because of why? Do you remember? Persia was what? Stronger and took over the Medes, okay? Persia pretty much just dominated the Medes. The Medes just were there for the fun of it. Okay? And then the three ribs in its mouth are the three uh, what they conquered. They conquered Babylon, they conquered Egypt, and they conquered Lydia, which was a country then. Lydia, not Libya, Lydia. Okay, verse 6. After that, I looked, and there before me was another beast, one that looked like a leopard. And on its back, it had four wings like those of a bird. This beast had four heads, and it was given authority to rule. Okay, so we have Babylon that led to Medo-Persia that led to? Greece, right? The Greek Empire. And who was the head of the Greek Empire? Alexander the Great. Good, Alexander the Great. And he conquered the then-known world before he was age 28. And he died at 33. So it took 12 years to do that, and that's why it looks like a leopard, because a leopard is fast, and it preys on its enemy. Okay? As well, he was very intelligent, so his forehead's very clever. Okay? Uh, uh, verse 7. After that, in my vision at night, I looked, and there before me was a fourth beast, terrifying and frightening and very powerful. It had large iron teeth. It crushed and devoured its victims and trampled underfoot whatever was left. It was different from all the former beasts, and it had ten horns. Now, what empire is this? Rome. The Roman Empire, because they conquered uh, Greece, right? Okay, so, the Greek Empire. So, now we have the Roman Empire, and horns meant power, so, you know, back in the in the ancient days, and so it had ten horns, so it was very powerful, and it was uh, conquering, uh, and it was a very frightening beast, and then out of this very frightening horned ten-horned beast, he says, hmm, while I was thinking about the horns, I love that part, hmm, in the middle of this, right, in the middle of his, is his amazing vision that God's giving him, while I'm thinking about those horns, there before me was another horn, I love this, a little one, which came up among them, and three of the first horns were uprooted before it. This horn had eyes like the eyes of a man, and a mouth that spoke boastfully. Okay, what, who is this now? Antichrist, right, the Antichrist, okay? The little horn who's speaking boastfully and um, eyes like a man, mouth that spoke, you know, pompously. As I looked, thrones were set in place, and the Ancient of Days, who's that? God the Father, right? Took his seat, his throne. His clothing was as white as snow. The hair of his head was white as wool. And that meant, you know, his eternal nature, his eternal nature. His throne was flaming with fire, and its wheels were all ablaze. Remember, we were talking about that. His throne was flaming with fire, okay? So it's like the lava that comes down, okay, where it says a river of fire was flowing in the next verse. Lava is flowing um, uh, from that, like you can imagine a volcano, okay? I'm not saying that's what it looked like. I'm giving you a picture to understand. And that's what it looked like with the fire of judgment, okay? The fire of judgment, okay? So we've got um, his throne is flaming with fire. Its wheels were ablaze. He's always active, always active in, in humankind. A river of fire was flowing, coming out from before him. Thousands upon thousands attended him. Who would those be? Angels, thank you. I'm 
flying up here. Angels, good. Thousands upon thousands attended him. 10,000 times 10,000 stood before him. Who's that? Humanity. Humanity, good. And then the court was seated and the books were opened. Okay? So, and I told you the story about Tori going to court uh, last week and how it was when the court's seated and the books are open. And, and it's you that has a judgment against you. It's you that has to walk forward. It's you that your name is called, okay? Thankfully, at this judgment that God is talking about, uh, Daniel's vision that God has given him, uh, is, is not where we will be as believers. This is the unbelievers. This is the judgment for unbelievers, those who have rejected uh, coming to faith in God, okay? And so... Uh, and so, let's see. The court was seated and the books were open. And the books that were open, do you remember what ones they were? Did you look them up? The Book of Life, which we know all about, right? Revelation talks about the Book of Life all the time. And those are not found written in the Lamb. Who's the Lamb? Jesus. In the Lamb's Book of Life, were cast into the lake of fire. Into the lake of fire. That is the uh, eternal damnation forever and ever and ever. Okay? For those who do not know Jesus. All right. Um, then, in verse 11, Then I continued to watch because of the boastful words the horn was speaking. I kept looking until the beast was slain and its body destroyed and thrown into the blazing fire. The other beasts had been stripped of their authority but were allowed to live for a period of time. In my vision at night, I looked, and there before me was one like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. Who is that? Jesus. Jesus. He approached the Ancient of Days... God the Father, and was led into his presence. Jesus was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All peoples, nations, and men of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never, ever, 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 be destroyed. Right? So hallelujah, right? So he is already one. However, we are waiting for that day for the actual scene of him winning. Okay? So we've got in excuse me, in this is in this conspicuous horn that is conquered by the Son of Man. It's conquered by Jesus. Okay? We have now gone uh, in this vision of Daniel from the transition from human dominion to Divine dominion, right? Hey, Dan, we've gone from human dominion to divine dominion. All right, now it's Jesus. All right, I think there's a seat here by Linda, sweetie. Um, and this happens as the Son of Man. Okay, remember that is Jesus's favorite term to self-designate himself. All through the Gospels, it was mentioned. He mentions it 80 times because we, as believers, are co-heirs with him. Okay, in Christ. All right, so. Um, and so what happens is he comes and he exercises dominion over the earth, okay? So the Son of Man succeeds the reign of the fourth beast So after the Antichrist, okay? So here's these pompous words in verses 11 through 14, which the horn was speaking, okay? And so these pompous words are coming from the Antichrist, and he will be characterized by blasphemous, boastful speech, okay? And that's in Revelation 13, 5 and 6. Revelation 13, 5 and 6. All right? So, 
Daniel watched as the beast was slain, and the rest of the beasts, they had their dominion taken away. All right, now, the fourth beast is destroyed, and others may continue, but without the dominion of their own. Okay, so as Jesus sets, when, when he sets up his kingdom, when Jesus sets up his kingdom, okay, the empire of the Antichrist will be completely crushed. Okay, will be completely crushed, yet some nations will be able to continue into the millennial kingdom. That's the thousand year reign that will reign with Jesus here on earth. Okay? Alright, so, um, and as he talks about one like the Son of Man coming into the clouds, his reign is permanent, his dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away. So he doesn't just rule here for a thousand years. We know in Revelation and, and study and this, this, that you know we will continue because there will be a new heaven and a new earth and we will be with him forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Okay, so, all right. There's where we ended last week. All right, now, um, in the interpretation of the dream, in, in, uh, in verses 15 and 16, he says, I, Daniel, was troubled in spirit, and the visions that passed through my mind disturbed me. I approached one of those standing there and asked him the true meaning of all this. Actually, I think we covered this a bit. Do you remember who that person was that he approached? It's an angel. Great big guy. Archangel. There's only two named. Michael or nope. Gabriel. Gabriel. Good try, but you know, one of the two. Excellent. You had a 50-50. It's big, it's big Gabriel. The reason I know that is I peeked and looked ahead in Daniel 8. <laughs> Daniel 8.16 and Daniel 9.21 talks about Gabriel uh, with him, with, with this uh, vision. So it's Gabriel. What else had Gabriel done that was pretty uh, well-known? Gabriel visited somebody. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I'm like, okay. He's the messenger. Yep, he's the messenger dude. Yeah, the big archangel. Right? He always goes, fear not. Don't be afraid. And Michael is the angel over Israel. Yep, yep, yep. Gabriel mostly goes on all the excursions, and Michael just sort of keeps over Israel. I would like being Gabriel a little bit more. What do you think? <laughs> yeah, really big. Really, really big, right? But you know, they all go to angel school, remember? Because every time they show up, it, 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 and they fall as dead, and they go, oh, uh, "Don't be afraid, <laughs> just an angel. <laughs> Fear not." All right. So, um, remember, we talked about that Daniel was grieved where? In his spirit. In his spirit. Okay, and we ended with that. In your spirit, your spirit is dwells where? Right now. Within your body. Within your body. Within your body. Your spirit dwells within your body right now, okay? Your spirit is separate from your body, right? Okay, so remember we we had learned this, that from this, that as Daniel is grieved in my spirit, he says, within my body, okay? So when God breathed into us, right? When we were first Adam and Eve, he breathed what? Pneuma. What is pneuma? Spirit. Spirit. Excellent. If you've ever been with anyone who has moved from here to heaven... Nothing better. Nothing better than that spirit. Yeah. Fly away, man. Right? You just go, wow. Yeah. There's a picture there. I wish I definitely gave away. It was selling artworks. But this artist had an older person like me dying in the bed and all the families around. And then you see this angel or angel-like thing reaching out to her and lifting her. And she's a beautiful young woman. 
Google it. It's somewhere. Google it. Google angel lifting. It'll, you'll, trust me, you'll find it. Isn't that sweet? Okay, so if, do you remember? Do you remember how I described the spirit? With an illustration for you last week? The sheath. sheath. Chris, explain that for everybody. You can do this. The sheath is our bodies, and the sword that goes into the sheath is the house for the spirit. Our bodies are the house for the spirit. Yep. And that, yeah, and the sword can be independent right. of the sheath. Okay, right. just like your spirit will be independent of this housing, this sheath, because we just need this on earth, but we don't need it in heaven. Okay, and we're not going to need it for the new heaven and earth. Okay, because we'll have a resurrected body. Woo! 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 In other words, you know, all the avocados and guac I want to eat forever. Resurrected body, right? How cool is that? Gorgeous, man, gorgeous, right? Resurrected body. So, I want you to understand that he was grieved that deeply in his spirit. In his spirit. Remember, and which part of us is saved? The spirit. The spirit. The spirit is saved. Our body isn't saved. Our body's wasting away daily, Corinthians says, right? But inwardly, we're being renewed day by day. Okay? So, um, and so then in the summary, let's go on. In the summary in verse 17 and 18, um, he's asking Gabriel, he said, But the saints, uh, 17, the four great beasts are four kingdoms. Let's start here. So he told me and gave me the interpretation of these things. Now, who's telling him this? Gabriel, right? The big messenger, right? The four great beasts are four kingdoms that will rise from the earth, but the saints of the Most High, the Most High is who? God, right? God the Father will receive the kingdom and will possess it forever. Yes, forever and ever, okay? So he's giving him the summary of this vision, okay? Daniel's really, really grieved in his spirit. And then Angel Gabriel, I love that. It's like, oh, I'll share this with you. Right? I'll share this with you. He's always, right? God's always initiating, always initiating, always initiating. And these four kings are conquered by God, okay? And their kingdoms are given to whom? Starts with an S. Saints. Saints, okay? Okay, Saints. Us, okay? Saints. They're given to saints. You're either a saint or a... Ain't, okay? So all of these, all of this, the plunder and spoils, all these kingdoms are given to... Saints are given to us, okay? All right, so given to the people of God. All right, so these great beasts, which are four, are four kings, which he's now sharing what we've gone over, will arise out of the earth, okay? And so it shows that, um, you know, that Daniel 2, with the dream of Nebuchadnezzar, and how he, remember how he went through that, and how he had the same type of vision, and Daniel interpreted that for him because he was given that gift from the Lord, okay, is the same as Daniel's dream in Daniel 7, okay? Except, remember, in, in Daniel 2, Nebuchadnezzar is looking at it through man's eyes. 
you're looking at it through man's eyes. Remember, it was head of gold and silver and then bronze. And you're always conquering, always conquering, always egocentric, always man, you know, on the throne, man doing this. You know, he sees that as that, okay? And so that is man's way as he looks at it. Now, outside of time, we see God, right, that sees the whole spectrum of the human race, the whole parade go by, not just, you know, float by float by float, right? He sees the whole thing, and from the beginning, he looks at it and goes, beasts. You guys are all beasts. It's for your own prosper. You want to do this and this, this. Are you following? It's this vision in Daniel 2, which is the way man sees conquering this, this, and then God sees the same thing that he gave Daniel. He gave Daniel in chapter 7, that vision is, you know what? This is the beast in This is the beast. But I have a solution. It's already planned. This is what's going to happen. There's going to be a time and times again, three and a half years, tribulation. This is, however, you know, Jesus, you know, Son of Man, is going to conquer forever and ever and ever. Yeah, we know he conquered on the cross. You know, this is he's you know, this is pre-incarnate Jesus right now that we're talking, right? And so and so how thrilled is that? Because we now see it through Daniel's able to bring it to us through God's eyes. How he sees Babylon to Medo-Persia, to Greece, to Rome, to the Antichrist, to the kingdom forever. Okay, are you following me? He puts it in incredible picture. Did you have your hand up, sweetie? Yes. Well, it's like what you said. Like He saw it through like, the sheath. He saw it from the outside, like the shell. But he wasn't looking through the spirit. He wasn't looking from the sword's point of view. And then, like, you know, Elijah, when he was on top of the hill and he asked that, like, the song my angel army song, like, where he wants the eyes to be open, so, like, he can actually see through the spirit and not through man's eyes, so, like, they would see all the angels to protect them. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Angela. Excellent. And, and so when, you know, when man is writing his own history, there's all this, good job. Good job. I did such a great job. Self-congratulation. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right? Meanwhile, meanwhile, God would be like, uh, you're a fool. Tonight I demand your life. Remember that in Matthew? It's like, you're a fool. <laughs> They're like, oh, yeah. Uh, uh, uh. Meanwhile, that's not how he looks at it, okay? You know, you know it, it always seems of self-congratulation that, you know, man's on the verge of paradise. That, oh, we've done this. We've conquered this and everything. And meanwhile, God writes a different human history story, doesn't he? He, he, he sees a different vision is presented from his eye view. Okay, from his eye view. In other words, you know, he sees these these situations as ferocious and wild animals that conquer without conscience, right? And and he looks at them through Daniel's you know Daniel's vision tells us that that's how he looks at them. All right, so <clears throat> we go then to where he says, all right, now you see this. Now the saints of the Most High, okay, meaning meaning believers, will receive the kingdom, okay? So when the day of the fourth beast is over, all right, then God's people receive the kingdom. We receive the kingdom, all right? So now we know that the Roman Empire is long gone, okay? And it doesn't have any saints that will receive the kingdom. All right, now there are Western cultures that, you know, Western countries that have come from that, okay? But here's the deal. There will be a restoration of the Roman Empire in the last days, okay? And and one that will literally fulfill the prophecy of the ten horns and the little horn as well, 
Okay? And I will go into that in a second. Okay? So when we shall receive the kingdom, okay, God gives the kingdom to us at the return of Jesus. All right? We don't gain dominion over all earthly kingdoms before the return of Jesus. Okay? That's not going to happen. It's going to happen after the um, return of Jesus. All right. Now, um, I will come back to what I was sharing about Roman in just a minute, but I want you to go to 19 through 22. That then say, that says, then I wanted to know the true meaning of the fourth beast, which is different from all the others and most terrifying with its iron teeth and bronze claws. The beast that crushed and devoured its victims and trampled underfoot whatever was left. I also wanted to know about the ten horns on its head and about the other horn that came up before which three of them fell. The horn that looked more imposing than the others and that had eyes and a mouth that spoke boastfully. Okay. As I watched this horn, this is verse 21. As I watched this horn, as I watched, this horn was waging war against the saints and defeating them until the ancient of days, da 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 da, what are my two favorite words in the Bible? But God, but God, right? Who's there? Ancient of days. Okay, defeating everybody until the ancient of days came and pronounced judgment in favor of whom? Of us, of the saints, of the Most High. And the time came when they possessed the kingdom. Remember, it's always God's timing. God's timing. God's timing, not ours. Okay, so Daniel wishes to know the truth truth about the fourth beast, okay? And he, if you notice, he's most interested all the time in the fourth beast. You notice that how it's really, it's bothering him, it's this, and I did that, that fourth beast, okay? And especially that conspicuous little horn that's coming out of those ten. Okay, he seems to be just, you know, primo focused on that, right? So, um, it was exceedingly dreadful, he said, teeth of iron, nails of bronze, okay? So, it has destructive power, and because of this conspicuous little horn that keeps coming up, okay, um, and because it's always fighting against God's people, Okay, this little horn is always fighting against God's people. God's people, because it says uh, the same horn is waging war against the saints. All right, so this is this is really bothering him. This is this is grieving him in his spirit. Okay, now the horn, the Antichrist. Okay, uh, as he he fights against the saints. Okay, here here's my question. I'm going to ask you: <coughs> Does this mean that the church will be on earth as the target of the Antichrist during the tribulation? No, no. Because saints indicate the you know the Jewish remnant in the tribula- in the tribulation in the tribulation in the tribulation. Thank you. Okay, and that is in Revelation twelve seventeen and Revelation thirteen seven. Okay, saints can indicate you know um, the remnant that's left the the Jewish remnant as well as it can indicate the church the body of Christ. Um, you know. That can be left, okay. Um, that thought, okay. That thought they were the body of Christ. Are you following me? Yeah. Okay. That that are there. Okay. I don't know if any of you guys have ever seen Left Behind series or anything like that. Okay. You know where all of a sudden one's taken and one is not, and they're like, ah, uh, I thought I was supposed to go. You know, <clears throat> and so and so um, that so that is not. Um, so the answer to that is no, to that question. Okay, so I want you to look at Revelation 12, 17, and 13, 7. What was the question, Ken? Okay, you don't need to look right now, but I, you can write that down and look when you're um, this week. The question is, the horn is the Antichrist, okay? And he fights against the saints. 
All right, that's what it says in Daniel here. Does that mean that the church will be on earth as a target of the Antichrist during the tribulation? That was the question. And the answer to that is no. And then I shared why it was no. Okay? All right. Are gone. The Christians are gone. Then there will be people who realize yes. that they are out and they will turn to God and they will be the saints on earth. The Jews. They will be, yes. There will be two witnesses in Jerusalem and there will yep. be 144,000. Yep. There will be pilgrims going all over. Yeah. Yep. To win people because God is long suffering. Absolutely. Always. Yeah. Right. And then the mark of the beast and the whole bit and etc. Okay. Yeah, look at We'll be gone. Yeah. We'll be gone. Amen. Amen. We are, that's why we're here. You guys, if we would have come, you know, once we came to know Jesus, he could have just like, oh, excellent, salvation's it. Took us to heaven. That's not why. We're supposed to take people along with us. Right? We're it. It started with 12 little guys. Right? And then it turned into the body of Christ, the church. And it's the church age until the next big... Okay, imagine that you're the most high right now. Okay, just imagine. I know it's very hard. But just imagine you're the most high. You are totally sovereign over everything. You're, the next big thing in your agenda, on your... You know, my husband still does the Franklin. You know, I do everything in my iPhone. Everything. The next big thing in your agenda of believers, rapture. That's it. Because it's the church age, and then we rapture not here. Okay, so the next big thing, that as he's going through his big books, right, is like... Yep, rapture. Yep, that's coming up. Right, it's according to his time. Not even Jesus knows. You know that, right? Not even the Son of Man knows. So He'll, it's on his calendar. Yeah, it's on his, it's on his little, you know, on his little calendar. It's like, there's the next big thing. I'm just waiting. And the reason that Margie said he's waiting is why? He doesn't want anybody to what? Perish. He doesn't want anybody to perish. He wants all to come to know him. He's long-suffering. He's long-suffering. Okay, so, in verses 23 through 27... Let's look at this. 23 through 27, we're talking about the meaning of the conspicuous horn and then its defeat. So, he gave me this explanation. Who is he? Gabriel. Gabriel. The fourth beast is a fourth kingdom that will appear on earth. It will be different from all the other kingdoms and will devour the whole earth, trampling it down and crushing it. The ten horns are ten kings who will come from this kingdom. After them, another king will arise, different from the earlier ones. He will subdue three kings. He will speak against the Most High and oppress his saints and try to change the set times and the laws. The saints will be handed over to him for a time, times, and a half time. That means three and a half years. Okay. Uh, But the court will sit, and his power will be taken away and completely destroyed forever. Then the sovereignty, power, and greatness of the kingdoms under the whole heaven will be handed over to the saints, the people of the Most High. His kingdom will be an everlasting kingdom, and all rulers will worship and obey him. Woo-hoo-hoo. All right? So the fourth beast shall be a fourth kingdom on this earth. All right? And it, that fourth beast fits well with the Roman Empire of ancient history. Okay? It did devour the then civilized earth. It did devour it. Okay? And it dominated about a thousand years. It dominated about a thousand years. Okay, now, the ten horns are ten kings who shall arise from this kingdom. So these ten kings um, do not have a literal fulfillment in the Roman Empire of history, do they? Because it's future, okay? They're still in the future, 
Okay? They're past us, even. They're in the future. All right? So, you've got um, the Roman Empire was conquered in the 5th century AD. Okay? And individual nations, not a united empire, arose from its ruins. In fact, these Western nations then have remained divided to this day, but they're not going to remain forever. When you look at the holy divided forever, when you look at the Holy Roman Empire, okay, if you were to place the Holy Roman Empire over uh, the nations today, it affects all of these nations: Germany, Austria, Belgium, Czech Republic, Liechtenstein, Luxembourg. Monaco, the Netherlands, San Marino, Slovenia, Switzerland, France, Italy, and Poland. Okay, it it if you overlaid it, the Holy Roman Empire, of you know, would be of these countries as we look at them today. Okay, at some time in the future, okay, ten nations will lock arms. You know that whole one world. One, you know, that whole big thing that's going on. Okay, they're going to lock arms, all right, politically, economically, militarily, okay, forming a, a revived, a revived, a realigned Roman Empire, okay? Now, a leader will arise from the midst. Now, they're not necessarily going to call themselves the Roman Empire, ladies. I'm just sharing that this is how it will look as these ten nations, you know, with the one world order and everything that's coming around, okay, they will lock arms politically, militarily, economically, like the euro and all the stuff that you, all you have to do is keep looking and in, in, uh, read anything politically, read stuff that's going on. It's just, you can see it just coming to that point, all right? And then a leader is going to arise from that area and gain um, control and power, okay? And and he will um, he will initially rise in world dominance, all right? And he will oppose God's authority. He will oppose God's saints. And who is this person? The Antichrist. The Antichrist. Now there are a lot of been there are a lot of been a lot of Antichrist before because with the small a we're talking about the Antichrist with the capital A. Okay, that will take over. All right. Now um, he. He then, uh, in, in the next verses, will speak pompous words, these blasphemous words, against the Most High, against God the Father. Okay, And so this little horn speaks these pompous words, blasphemous words. And as I was studying this, I did extra-biblical stuff, um, perhaps like these words that were out of the fascist creed of Italy. Now, you know what a fascist government is? Okay, a fascist government is one that doesn't care about the individual. Doesn't care about the individual at all, exalts the nation, exalts a race, doesn't care about the individual, okay? It has a centralized government, and it's, it's, you know, you have to heed, um, the people in the government have to heed this leader who is basically um, severe, he is severe in and, and, and economic-wise, social, uh, all kinds of regimentation um, makes them forcibly obey. Okay? That is a fascist government. Like that. Like that. Okay? And, and, and so this is what the fascist creed of Italy says, said. 
I believe in Rome Eternal, the mother of my fatherland, and in Italy her firstborn, who was born of a virgin womb by the grace of God, who suffered under the barbarian invader, was crucified, slain, and buried, who descended into the sepulcher and rose from the dead in the 19th century, who ascended to heaven in her glory in 1918 and 1922 by the march on Rome, who is seated at the right hand of Mother Rome, who will come thence to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the genius of Mussolini, in our Holy Father fascism, and in the communion of its martyrs, in the conversion of the Italians, and in the resurrection of the empire. Amen. What are they taking after? What are they taking after? The Apostles' Creed. The Apostles' Creed. This is this is the fascist creed of Italy. Okay. Okay. So yeah, do you see what they did? They took the Apostles' Creed and twisted it. And twisted as a, as a fascist uh, Roman Empire. Exactly, exactly. Okay, so these are the kinds of pompous words that he's going to be speaking against the Most High. All right, and he will be persecuting the saints of the Most High. Okay, and so it, it, that persecution word means a cruel and systematic pressure. Cruel and systematic pressure, you know, almost like a the Chinese water torture kind of thing, right? It's just just cruel and systematic pressure, okay? And and that word comes away comes from to wear away or to wear out, to wear away, persecute, to wear away or to wear out, like like um like friction wears out clothes or wears out the bottom of your shoes or whatever, that kind of thing. To wear away or to wear out. And so it's going to be this continual pressure, friction, um, cruel, systematic um, uh, pressure. Okay? And so the existence will be a wretched, wretched existence. Okay? Um, In fact, it would be easier to die for the Lord during this time than to be under... Continual harassment and strain from them. It'd be way easier to die for the Lord. Okay, so um, this world dictator, the uh, Antichrist, described in the New Testament. Okay, now I'm going to ask you to write this stuff down, and I want you to dig in this week. I want you to because I have. As we go on, I'm assigning you some stuff because there's lots of stuff that we're going to cover. And I want you to read it, okay? So this world dictator. By the way, the world dictator, is he a Gentile or a Jew? It's a Gentile. It's a Gentile. It's a Gentile because where does he come out of? Rome, Gentile nations, right? Gentile nations. So he's a Gentile, okay? He's not a Jew. Comes out of the, the, the Rome area, okay? So the world dictator is the Antichrist, and and he's described in the New Testament as a man of lawlessness, okay? A satanically empowered beast. The New Testament is confirming the vision, right? Scripture interprets Scripture. 2 Thessalonians 2, 3 through 10, we'll share that. 2 Thessalonians 2, 3 through 10, and then Revelation chapters 13, and chapter 17. Okay? I want you to read that. Um, because this little horn, back in Daniel here now, shall intend to change the times and the law. 
Okay, that's what we just read. He wants to change the times and the law. Okay, um, as I was studying uh, extra biblical again, the French Revolution, in the French Revolution, radicals wanted to institute a 10-day work week and declared that 1792 was the year of the revolution, so therefore it was year one. Okay, so see, they wanted to change, they wanted to change time and law. Okay, and this is, this is how the Antichrist is going to come in. He wants to change time and law, all right? Remember, he's a satanically empowered beast. The power behind him, in him and through him, is the evil one, is the, uh, is the is Antichrist. Get it? Okay, all right. So, then the saints, when he is ruling, okay, during this time, okay, then the saints who are here, okay, shall be given into his hand for a time and time a time and times and half a time, which means three and a half years. Okay, so um, this phrase is used time and time again in Revelation. Okay, Revelation 11. Uh, I want you to write this down. I want you to. I want you to dig into this. I want you to read Revelation along with this. Revelation 11, two and three. Revelation 12, six. And when I tell you these specific verses, read around it. 20. Read 20. You mean the chapter 20? What? Oh, I'm sorry. I know what you mean. Yeah, always read in the subhead at least, you know, what it's about. Yeah, exactly. Yep. So you get the context of it. Right, Lynn. Exactly. Revelation 11, verse 2 and 3. I'm thinking, what did Revelation 20 have to do with this? <laughs> Revelation 11, 2 and 3. Revelation 12, 6. And Revelation 13, 5. Okay? And... And it refers to half of the last of the seven-year, what? Tribulation period. The seven-year tribulation period of man's rule on this earth. And it's called the 70th week of Daniel. That's called the 70th week of Daniel. Okay? Now, as we are going on, I am um, in the process of composing this whole timeline so that you'll be able to look and see how this will all... um, it will just in from beginning to end. So you will see the time of when things are going to happen. Okay? I won't give you exact years. I'll just give you what's going to happen. All right? So, so the saints are going to be given over, okay, into, into his hand for three and a half years during this tribulation. Okay? So he'll have power over believers for three and a half years. In the New Testament, that's the last half of the tribulation. That's the last three and a half years of the seven years of tribulation that's going to happen. That is found in Revelation 11. Uh, 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 uh. I told you that one, right? 11? Okay. Okay. Then also, um, yes, I told you 13. Okay. As well as it also is told in Daniel 9. Daniel 9, verse 27. Okay. So, this oppressive rule of the Antichrist, all right, will end when what? Christ returns in power to establish his what? Millennial kingdom. His millennial kingdom, which is the thousand-year reign on earth. Okay, So he'll be here in his millennial kingdom on earth. That's what we were just talking about in Daniel 7, 13, and 14, and then 26 and 27. Then, I want you to read, this is a big area, I want you to read Revelation 19, 11, all the way through Revelation 20, verse 2. 
Okay, that will explain um, that Christ returns in power to establish His millennial kingdom. Okay, so first we are caught up to meet Him in the air, which we'll find out all in First Thessalonians. Okay, and then He will return with us to establish His millennial kingdom. Okay, so um, now. Uh, for sake of time, I don't know where to go in this. Well, you know what? I'm going to... I'm Okay. Let's continue on in this. All right. Then the kingdom and dominion and the greatness of these kingdoms under the whole heaven shall be given to the people, the saints, the most high. Shall be given to us, the saints. Okay? So, this describes the millennial kingdom. This does not describe our current age. It does not describe heaven. It describes the millennial kingdom. Okay? And so, you know, the kingdom and dominion, obviously, um, of the earth doesn't belong to us now, does it? It doesn't belong to the righteous now. Who does it belong to? Satan, the prince of this world. Right? Who's in charge? Well, we know God's always in charge, okay? But but right now, Satan is roaring around here uh, as the prince of this world. He's trying to collect. He's what? Trying to collect 10 people. He's trying to collect. That's great. Okay. Yeah, he is going after people. Amen. That's right. So, so it, it, if this describes the eternal state, then what dominions um, that shall serve and obey him. Okay, so what happens is, is we realize that it isn't about now, it's about the millennial kingdom. The righteous, are, we are not ruling the world now. God is in control, but the prince of this world, is he is letting him be in control until the final destination. Okay, are you following me on this? Okay, all right. So, as Daniel's having this vision in verse 28, okay, he's having this vision, he is, he is so troubled with his reaction to this vision and the interpretation from Gabriel, okay? Gabriel's like sharing this with him, all right? Now, now you guys, you have a, uh, like a reaction to this, right? You're just like, oh, right? Imagine Daniel, who has been given the gift of interpreting and knowing dreams. He's been given the gift from God. He's done it with Nebuchadnezzar. He's done it with Belshazzar. He's done it with every king, right? Time and time again, right? First the goons would try, they couldn't, and they bring in Daniel, and wonderfully the Holy Spirit would do it through him, right? There it was. Now he has his own vision that God gives to him, right? And he's grieved where? In his very spirit, because he doesn't understand. Are you following me? He could tell other visions. He could tell other situations. He could tell other dreams. He could tell of all these kings, this, this, and he would come in and say, this is it. This is it. And what would happen is, he'd understand it. Because the Holy Spirit has told him all of it and he'd understand it and he'd tell. Now he has his own vision that God has given to him and he doesn't understand it all. And so he's grieved in his spirit. Okay? You guys, that's where you have to leave it. That's where you have to leave it. Daniel had to leave it there as well. He was grieved in his spirit. He's like, ah, oh. he sees this happening. He knows it's going to happen. He knows how faithful God has been. He knows how faithful God's going to be. He knows what's going to happen. He sees it laid out. It's the word of God. It changes his countenance. He knows what's happening. And then he goes, oh, oh, oh. I mean, I can imagine him looking at Gabriel going, Huh. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he's so grieved. If you remember, when John, in Revelation, when he saw, right, and God took back the curtain, and he saw, remember, he fell as if he was what? 
dead. He fell as if he was dead. All right? And now you've got him going, oh, oh, I am so, my thoughts greatly troubled me. My countenance changed. That's what it says in verse 28. This is his troubled reaction to his own vision that God's given him because he doesn't understand it all. And before he's able to tell all these guys, right? And then this is what it is. That's what happened. You saw it happen. That's what he continued to do. This is what happened to the kings. This is what he warned. This is this. And now he, he's so troubled that he doesn't understand it all. Okay. And so what happens is he says, you know, um, he, he sees that all this is going to happen to the saints, to all these believers. He sees this is going to happen, and it, it troubles him so much. But it troubles him to the point where his countenance, it says in the Revised Standard Version, his countenance changed. Okay, His very countenance changed. Daniel was convinced that this vision was true, is true, will always be true, because it's based on God's word. Based on God's word, right? God said it. I believe it. That settles it. That's it. Okay. It's based on His word. It's based on His word. But with that, what happens is, you know, He's considering what's going to happen. And so when He sees this is true upon all truth, and He doesn't understand it all, but He puts it on God's shelf and He goes, you know what? All right, here it is, God. You know what? You gave this to me. I know this is who you are, and I know this is your word. You've never been unfaithful. You can't be unfaithful. I've always resolved in my heart to follow you. I will continue to resolve in my heart to follow you, right? He just kept resolving, 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 right? And he still doesn't understand, but it's to the point where he knows the word is so true, and it goes so deep in him that his countenance changes. That's what's supposed to happen to us. The Word of God is supposed to go so, so deeply in us. It's supposed to go so deep that our countenance changes. Our countenance changes. In other words, we respond. We respond to His Word. We respond to how faithful He is. We see how faithful He is. We have enough here in all for all of life and all of godliness that we will ever need, Second Peter says. And so as we continue to walk, He goes, you know what? You hear it is. This is all you need. Because here I am. And so what happens is, is your countenance changes. Your countenance changes. Even if you see things that are going to happen, that you go, oh God, I don't understand this, but I trust you. I trust you because you're God. I'm not. I have this settled assurance that you are in control. And then your countenance changes. Okay, because what happens is he becomes your everything, right? This word is truer than your life, right? It will always, always be. Isaiah says, the grass will wither, the flowers will fade, but the word of God will stand forever. That means forever. And so when we are responding to the word of God, when we are um, putting the word of God into us, what happens is, is our countenance should change. And I'm going to ask you this week, as you're going through the Word of God, I'm going to ask you, is your countenance changing? Is it changing? Is it taking more to rattle you? Right? Are you walking by faith or are you walking by sight? You know, if you don't understand everything, the Lord says, you know what, in due time you will. He says that in His Word. In due time you will. In due time, just keep following me because I can't deny myself, Second Timothy says. I can't deny myself because I'm God. Right? That's who I am. Right? Can't swear by anybody else other than me. Hiring me because I'm God. 
So here you go. You have everything you need for life and godliness. And Daniel, of all people, God entrusts him with this to give us a peek into the future. And everything that happened, happened true, right? Babylon, we're on this side of it. We're over here. Did Medo-Persia conquer Babylon? Yeah. Did Greece conquer Medo-Persia? Yeah. Did Rome conquer that? Yeah. So do you think the fourth is going to happen? Yeah. You bet your boots it's going to happen. Amen. You bet it will. And that should change your countenance. And that, in it, and that in itself should change your countenance. Absolutely. Because that's who he is. That's his plan. That's his love story. That's what he's done for us. That's what he continues to do for us. Whether it was OT or new T, Old Testament or New Testament, it's always by faith. Always by faith. And always through his grace. Always through his undeserved favor. Right? We come to him by grace. We stand in grace through his salvation until we're with him forever and ever and ever. By his grace. Right? It's always through his grace. So when I come to the end of this and I see that he is, you know, and I don't think the NIV does it, does it good enough in this. That, that this is the end of the matter. I, Daniel, was deeply troubled by my thoughts and my face turned pale, but I kept the matter to myself. You know, when his countenance changed, okay, and his face turned pale, and he kept the matter to himself, what does that remind you of? Who else pondered something? Mary. Mary. Remember that? Here God's looking around for someone who's loyal. It says in Second Chronicles 17, I think, 9. Um, looking around for whose heart is going to be loyal to me, right? And sees Mary, about 14 years old, and then says, yeah, you're at a house. You're at a house, Jesus. You're at a house, Jesus. Yeah. Holy Spirit's going to come upon you, virgins. You're at a house, Jesus, right? Her readied heart, her readied heart, Matched his fullness of time, right? And when that happened, remember, she said, and she pondered everything in her heart, right? Just like a vision that God gave Daniel, right? He just, he's like, oh, my countenance changed. I'm pale. I, I, I trust, I know this, and I'm considering what's going to happen. Same thing with Mary. He was quiet about it. He was quiet about it, right? That you ponder. See, that's what he wants you to do. He wants you to ponder this in your heart. He wants you to understand that, you know what? I have the best plan laid out. On my agenda book, man, the next thing in church history here, or in all of history here, but in the church age, is after that, is the rapture. I got it. I got it. You know, if it's tomorrow, great. If it's not two years, it's great. If it's not 20, if it's 200, great. But I got it. I got it. You keep your eyes on me. You keep doing the next right thing. You keep bringing people um, face to face to me through your actions, through your talk, through you know your walk, through this. And you know what? I got it. I got everything. And then the whole thing starts for eternity, right? Because we're eternal souls on loan here. We are little eternal souls on loan, on loan to this earth. Living in the sheath with the sword ready to be taken out. Right? That's how we live. That's how we live, that's how we breathe, that's how we walk. And to think that Daniel, now you've gone through Daniel 1 through 6, knowing who that person is, okay? To think that Daniel, when he, when he was given that vision and didn't understand it, and Big Gabe was right next to him saying, hey, not your kid, <laughs> you know, going, hey, here it is, here it is, here it is. And you know, he gave Daniel just enough of what he needed. 
Are you following me? Just the message that God wanted to. If you remember when we first started this chapter, remember there are going to be questions. There's going to be stuff that are left that that is left not necessarily understanding fully because this is what He gives us. He gives us all He wants. That is enough. That's it. And, our, and our, he knows that our little peanut brains, a little finite brain, you know, is only going to understand this much because he's got the infinite brain and we're not going to see it as that. And so we have, you know, we, we have a choice whether we're okay with that or not. And when you live in the settled assurance that he is in control, you're okay with that. You're okay with that, right? You're, you're absolutely okay with that. Now, I want, I want you to have some takeaways here in, in Daniel 7. Um, we're going to spend all of next week on the Antichrist um, because I have a whole thing where I want to have you go into six or seven different areas of the Bible and we're going to actually turn our pages and do it. Um, but I want you to have some takeaways in this Daniel chapter 7. Okay. Now, the two that I took away historically... There are two that I looked at historically and then two that I looked at um, personally. Okay, One I touched on already is since the predictions of the first three kingdoms have already come, right? Babylon. Who's next? Medo-Persia. Who's next? Greece. Greece. Okay. All right. Since those have already come true and then Rome, okay, we, are, we can be absolutely certain of the fourth. Absolutely certain of the fourth. Okay. God will accomplish what he says he's going to do. In his time, in his way, whatever. But he will accomplish it. In fact, he says, in his zeal, he will accomplish it. Do you know that's how he made the word? I mean, the world, excuse me. He made the world. It says he created it in King James. It says with zeal. You know what zeal means? Enthusiasm. Enthusiasm. Isn't that great? He placed it with enthusiasm, right? And so God will accomplish what he says he's going to do. All right. Secondly, um, one of the historical takeaways is I, that I wrote down: since God established the nations, they dwell under His sovereign control. Okay. In other words, God established the nations; He's the one who does. Remember, He said back in Daniel, um, not sure what chapter it was, in a couple of chapters actually, where He says He deposes kings, He sets up kings. Right? He's the one who establishes the nations; He establishes them. So when He establishes them, they then dwell under His sovereign control. He's ruler. Now, they may, they may not acknowledge him, right? Just like Cyrus the king that we learned, right? He said hey, in Isaiah, Cyrus isn't going to acknowledge you. That's it. But you know what? I'm going to use you, Cyrus, even though you don't acknowledge me, right? That's what he said. So, as Cyrus is not acknowledging him, does that mean that God isn't in control? No. No. He's in control. He is absolutely sovereign over it, okay? They dwell under his sovereign control, even though they don't acknowledge him. So, so God's established the kingdoms, and, and they dwell under his sovereign control. So guess what? Countries you know, cannot thwart his plan. They can't. He's got a plan. They can go on a detour, they can go over here, but guess what? His plan will continue to be his plan. They can't thwart his plan. Countries can't. He is in control. He is sovereign over everything. That's the whole theme of Daniel. Sovereign over everything. So countries cannot thwart his grand plan. History has proved it. History has proved it. We've got prophecy that's fulfilled already. It's proved it. It's proved it. We don't need any proof. We walk by faith. But it's proven. It's proven. 
So, you know, you may look, be looking at this or that or the United States is like, guess what? God's in control. Period. Period. And, and, and he is sovereignly over this. And somehow, some way, he has allowed, you know, whoever to be in charge, whoever to whatever, that's who he is. And he will work out his grand plan. Okay? Now, I switched then, as I was reading through this again, I, I switched then to these two personal takeaways from Daniel 7 that I received. God has mapped out my future. God has mapped out your future. God has mapped out our future, okay? And, and if he's mapped out our future, he can certainly handle the present, right? If he's mapped out the future, okay, and I mean the future. I mean, not just my own personal future, but I mean, look at the future of what he, you know, as what we're reading, okay? And what he has planned and what we're going to be doing and, and heaven and the rapture and the millennial kingdom. He's mapped out the future, okay? That's a future for me as a believer. That's a future for you as a believer, right? So he can handle your present. He can handle now. You don't have to. You know, we look forward to, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know what? He wants you to look forward to now. Now. He handles it now. Even when it looks bleak, when it looks like what you didn't expect, he is absolutely in control. And he handles it now. He handles your present. It's if you're going to give it over to him. It's if you're going to trust him. It's if you're going to be in that settled assurance that you are in control, Lord, and I'm going to follow as close to you as possible. And I'm going to hold on to your hand. And wherever you take me, I know that's the right way. That it's the right way. Because he's never going to lead you somewhere that's going to hurt you, that's going to, you know, that's going to... That, that he wants to ruin your life, he wants to do anything. No, he leads you always, always when you're holding his hand into his absolute best plan, his absolute best plan. And then along the way, he conforms you to the likeness of his son. Along the way. Okay, and so, you know, at times, I know it seems like he's abandoned us. At times it seems like, well, where are you? You seem a little distant that you've abandoned us, okay? Um, but you know what? It may feel that way, But the truth is this, he hasn't. He will never forsake you, the Word of God says. He will never forsake you. So those are your feelings. I feel like you've abandoned us. You know what? Shut up, feelings, and walk by your faith. The truth is, he hasn't. The truth is, yeah, he hasn't. And he never will. Never. Because that's who he is. And that's who he says he is. And he can't do anything else but be who he says he is. Because he's God. And so even when you feel like he's abandoned you, you have to go back to the truth of the word of God. That's why you need to be in the word. So it can be in you. Because the truth says, hey, you know what, Margo? I will never forsake you. I will never leave you. You are not an orphan. I have come to give you life. I have come to give you life to the full. I have come to give you abundant life. And so we're able to be settled in that. We're able to be settled in that. That he, Yes, he's mapped out the future so he can take care of the present. He can take care of the present. And lastly, um, the one personal, another personal one that I, that I received from this uh, Daniel 7 is that life appears as a confusing collage at times. So we started out, remember in the beginning, 
of looking at Daniel 7 is it's this prophetic collage, right? It's like, well, this is weird beasts and this and heads and horns, and whoa, right? And then, and then it appears, it, it, you know, it, it appears as a confusing collage. Life does at times, okay? But in reality, it is a perfect unfolding, a perfect unfolding of his infallible divine plan for you, for me. It's, it's perfect. It's what he has planned, okay? And you then, as you realize that, are able to walk in that settled assurance that he is in control now. He's in control now. He's in control now. He's in control now, right? As you continue to practice his presence and you continue to practice it because when when you see, when you admit that, you know, Lord, this, this is not what I thought. You know, it's really a confusing kind of collage to me. And, and he says, yeah, to you, Margo. To you. Because you're watching the parade go by float, by float. Okay? You're watching the parade. And so you, you're having this confusing collage. But not to me. Not to me. I have this incredible divine plan that will not be thwarted, that I will continue to work on, and it's the perfect unfolding, that how I'm unfolding it, and how you're becoming more and more like me in this, 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 in my infallible divine plan. Nothing else can change it. And so I am settled in that. It makes me think of um, Mom's funeral, of, of when we had the visitation time, and we had all the pictures out, and you know, you do all those poster boards, mm-hmm. and the pictures are a collage of your life, and they're not in order. Mm-hmm. And yet, we know her life, you know, especially since we were born, but we can look back. We can look at that whole collage, and we're not confused at all because, oh, yeah, I remember that, and that was back when she was, you know, when she, I remember when I, you know, I was just a little girl in California, and this, and this. And then, and then, but strangers coming in and going, look, I wonder when that was, and I wonder when that was. And they're looking at it confused by, I mean, they're learning, but when I think about that, I, I see that collage of pictures and I go, okay, so where am I in that life right now? And, you know, if my life were to end today, you know, would that collage show Jesus or do I get another 20-some years to, to show who he is? and die with my gray hair, you know? <laughs> Which actually is already gray. But, <laughs> <laughs> but thanks to Karen. Okay. <laughs> but, you, Marilyn, that's a great analogy. That's a great analogy. I mean, we were just at our our, um, our neighbor's funeral, and they had tons of stuff up, you know, and we only know them as neighbors, you know, and, and, and in their life probably the last... Maybe 10 years, you know? And, and so we only knew, oh, I remember this. Oh, this was out on the boat. Oh, I remember this. Yeah. But you're, you're right. You look at the whole thing, and it's a confusing collage. Of it. But not to the ones who are in that family. Not to the ones who are in that family. It's the same thing with the family you got, right? You're in the family. It's not a confusing collage. This is his unfolding of his divine, infallible plan. We're coming along for the ride. He had you purpose before the creation of time, right? To be living during the church age. Thank you, Jesus. Right? Thank you, Lord. Right? He had you purpose. And so, and so, you know, I love that thought because when you look at all that, you don't, you see it as just unto itself. But God sees, you know, and in the family, you see it all as one whole. This is the one whole. Yes, hon. She likes visuals, so like I think of the visual like dark skies and rain brings rainbows, like and that if you just you know 
I just really appreciate that God put the rainbow in the sky for us to remember that that's his covenant. And you think about Noah and how when like Daniel and Mary had all this stuff happening to them, a world that's not understanding them, and you know in your heart that as you seek him yeah. and follow him, as she says, and he's yeah. doing the next right thing, that in the end, eight of them were in the ark, and that was their house. That was, you know, that's where, like their sheep, they were protected. And like on the outside, it looks like, you know, there's this big wooded thing, but on the inside, it was kind of like bright. And I have like two other things. Um, like he- Hebrews 11 has been like on my heart a lot lately. It's just like just reading about those people that move forward in faith, not knowing what they were doing, but just trusting. And then, like when I went running today, it was funny because there's this man who's putting on like Ben Gay and all this stuff, and I was just like, are you arm like arming yourself? In my head, I wanted to say Ephesians 6, but I didn't. But I just said, are you arming yourself for battle? And he goes. And then I put on my like this uh, monkey bandana because like I've been telling people like for my, my whole life I've been uh, I feel like people have made me a fish climbing a tree and I'm a monkey in a tree. I'm not a fish. I'm not a fish. They keep saying like do this, do this, but really I'm a monkey. So I put on this bandana and he goes, I never heard this word, but he's like you're lulling the enemy. So like you're quieting them? Lulling is so quieting. I don't know really what all that means, but mm-hmm. it was kind of just maybe smile. <laughs> you said that your mom, you said when she sings you that word, lull. Lull, yep, yep. She, she lull you. Silence. She, she quiet you. Yeah. Yep, exactly, exactly. Exactly. Okay, so this week I want you to read um, those portions in Revelation and back with Daniel, okay? And... Next week, we're going to go through probably four or five portions of the Word of God. Um, Forward in Daniel, 1 Thessalonians, Revelation, and we're going to just uh, address, you know, like when we, when we did the whole big thing about meet Pete kind of thing, we're going to, not that we're going to meet the Antichrist, because uh, we won't, but we're going to, we're going to uh, learn about who he is and, um, you know, and, and his temperament and, 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 you know, just all about him, what the Word of God says about him. Um, and so, you know, we stay right in the Word because Scripture interprets Scripture. It's not what you think. It's what the Word says about it. Okay? So, you know, because I know a lot of times with prophecy and stuff to come, people like to then go, oh, and it's going to... No, stay right here. Mm-hmm. Stay right here. That's where, you know, stay right here. God's got it handled, and we're going to stay right here. Okay? Because if you go on about it, then... Um, it can be conjecture or your frame of reference, and then you can be taking people down the wrong path. Okay, so uh, there's plenty in the Word of God to share with.